0: The Intersections on the Spectrum podcast is the brainchild of Doug Fletcher and Kelly Braun Johnson, created to discuss intersectional issues within the autistic community and give visibility to commonly marginalized, repressed, underrepresented, or erased identities and issues. We aim to introduce you to the people and stories you didn't know about but needed to hear, and hope that by seeing yourself represented in the community allows you to feel seen. Our
1: our guest today is from the fantastic Autistically Alex blog. Um, Alex, who joins us, uh, Alex is an autistic non-binary person with diagnoses of ADD, fibromyalgia, and chronic fatigue. They they blog about their experiences in hopes of connecting with others, and they enjoy reading sci-fi and fantasy, writing memoir and fantasy, singing, taking pictures of flowers, studying Japanese and spending time with their partner so um what 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 flowers uh, are your are your favorite let's start with that oh gosh I really enjoy taking
2: pictures of roses there's just so many different kinds of roses and they have really beautiful shapes so that's definitely uh, a favorite of mine mm-hmm. thank you for having me on your podcast
1: absolutely now you You're welcome you recently wrote a fantastic article for the publication buckeye flame called transitioning at 30 injecting testosterone and self-acceptance um first i love the the title of the article um but but more importantly how did this article come about thank
2: you uh thank you for reading that and uh the title is actually by the editor of the buckeye flame 10, he came up with that title and ran it by me and I said, yes, I'm horrible at titles and you did a good job. Um, So it came about kind of organically. Um, My voice was really starting to deepen and I was thinking, okay, this is getting to the point where people are going to know and they're going to notice. And I was also learning a lot about myself and about the Process and there's not a whole lot that I can find out there of people going on tea that are like me so I, I wanted to write about that and I wasn't sure if Autistically Alex would be the right place yet or if I was ready to put it up there um, but I saw on my Facebook feed that the Buckeye Flame was launching and I have friends who are on the board and so I reached out to Ken, the editor, and he was calling for submissions, and I, I basically wrote and said, hey, do you think people would be interested in something written by someone like me? And he pretty much said, holy hell, yes. <laughs> so I, uh, I started drafting, and we kind of went from there.
0: Wow. Did you know that 70% of, of autistic people are actually part of the LGBTQ community?
2: I hadn't heard that statistic, but that's, I'm not surprised at all.
0: Yeah, so there's a huge overlap and uh, and that's part of the you know, part of the work I do too is to I'm hoping to give parents of autistic kids like to try and to tell them to you've got to start talking about this. You've gotta bring it up with your kids, you've gotta give them the terminology that they need to understand themselves and cells in their bodies because guess what? There's a seventy percent chance, <laughs> you know, they're not yeah. gonna be straight. So yeah, like it's to me, it's like super important. I'm so glad that they accepted uh, your your writing to try and. And I think it, it brings a lot of awareness to people.
2: Yeah, no, I I think that that's great to try to reach out more uh, when the kids are younger because I it took me a really long time and there was a lot of uncertainty and fear and feeling like I was the only one feeling these things. And does that make me? You know, I, I, don't, I don't even know where to begin with that, like how it felt to not know. So anything that a parent can do, even just to bring it up and say, if this is ever a thing, it's not a problem, and we'll talk about it, and it's okay, and there's other people like you, right, would be huge.
0: Yeah, I, I know even for me, I thought I was bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teenager, I didn't have a word for non-binary, and I just figured, well, if I if I'm kind of feeling kind of half half gender wise and that must reflect on my sexual interests and it's no, that's I just didn't have a word. The only word that I knew at the time I only knew lesbian, gay, bisexual. That's that's all that was available to me in, in when, I, when, I, when I was growing up. So yeah, it's fun you have to have the right words and have to like start talking to people and helping people understand. Absolutely. I really relate to that. A few months ago you started taking a low dose of testosterone. And in your article, you mentioned that it has been a long journey to taking testosterone, but nothing like you imagined. So what have been some of the most important lessons you've learned along the way? Um, there's quite
2: a few, I would say. I'm just over four months now on testosterone, maybe like a week or two past four months. And one of the biggest ones uh, is just that there's no size fits all for transition. There's no too late trying not to compare yourself to other people's journeys. I know that's really incredibly hard, but, but at the same time, know that there are other people out there who do have similar stories to you. I, one of the reasons I wrote the article is I'm chronically ill, and I made all these assumptions about what I could and couldn't do in transition, only to have specialists say, actually... The opposite is true. You would probably improve your health by going on hormones. And, you know, top surgery would help a lot with your back pain. And, you know, so there's all of these things I had in my mind as fact, and they were not fact. So trying to talk with not only people in the community, but also specialists and doctors. And then I guess the the last thing would be keep an open mind because a lot of the things that I thought, like 100%, oh, I don't want that from hormones. I'm scared of that. Like, I'll try this to get this one thing, but the other things I don't want. And actually, uh, I've ended up loving almost everything so far. So not making assumptions about that as well. And I guess the last thing would be knowing that you can feel a whole variety of feelings and emotions and thoughts and everything before, during, and after transition, and that they're all valid. So if you feel grief, that doesn't mean you're not trans. You can feel grief and excitement at the same time, and change is scary no matter if it's good or bad or neutral, and like... I worried a lot that the grieving process of losing some of my higher range in singing meant that I wasn't actually trans and I was making a mistake. And the voice teacher I got to talk with was like, no, you you can do both at the same time. You can be really happy to be gaining a lower range and also a little sad that you're losing the upper range and that's valid. So... I mean, all of those concepts are pretty big, but they are things I keep trying to keep in mind. Um, and it's been really helpful, especially feeling like turbulent emotions and stuff. Going back to those ideas helps a lot.
1: You mentioned that change can definitely be, be hard. Uh, I'm wondering what changes have you observed since um, starting a low dose of testosterone?
2: Yeah, so things might be a little bit different for me because I have PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So my T levels were already pretty high. But I, even within the first or second shot, I started to notice my throat felt a little weird. Not the best during COVID times because it's like a frog in the throat or like a um, gravelly, like phlegm kind of feeling almost. But that's super, super normal. And But that was the first thing I noticed because that was, like, really quick. And then soon after, a lot of facial hair, especially under the jawline. I have a lot now. I noticed a lessening in my chronic fatigue and my chronic pain, for sure. Those have gotten, um, you know, they're not gone, but I have a lot more good days now. Well, acne and oily skin, for sure, but, you know. I'll pay those prices to feel more like me. Confidence, almost immediately, confidence went up. Social anxiety went down just in the first few weeks.
0: Wow. On your blog, Autistically Alex, you wrote a piece last January about battling your eating disorder. And I really related to the letter you wrote to your disorder about how hard it was to let go and what would happen afterwards. So how has your progress been on that and do you feel that transitioning has helped?
2: Yeah, I think if 2020 hadn't been the year that it it has been, my answer would probably be very different. I think overall I'm doing better than I think I am. Um, My therapist likes to remind me that I really have come a long way and I have a lot healthier relationship with eating now. I don't feel like I'm in chains anymore, like food is controlling me. I notice now when I'm using food as a crutch, um, it might take me a day or two to go back to what I need to be doing, but I, in general, am not finding myself like so dizzy or hypoglycemic from not eating. I would say overall I'm in a fairly good place, there's still some slip ups, um, but in a lot of ways, unfortunately, my eating disorder and my dysphoria go hand in hand, because if I gain weight, and I'm on several medicines that can, gain weight I end up having more dysphoria about like my chest or my hips and as testosterone is kind of fluctuating my weight and where it's distributed to that can be a little um challenging but I think overall body positivity and fat positivity and just loving my body has come a long way I don't I don't ever have, like, a consistent every single day. I'm eating exactly how much I need to, and I don't care about my weight and all that. But more often than not, I'm, I'm doing better, a lot better. Yay!
1: Yeah. <laughs> In your article, you mentioned the process of transitioning to a non-binary trans masculine adult and you talked about phasing out your clothes that made you feel uncomfortable so what what clothes are you, are you wearing now that make you feel better make you feel more like you?
2: Well it's not as much as I'd like it's kind of slowed down with the pandemic I'm at high risk so normally I would go to a thrift store you know and Pick up a bunch of stuff for really cheap, but so it's kind of had to slow down, unfortunately. But any ties or bow ties that I can get my hands on, a um, little bit baggier sweaters that are gender neutral or a little masculine. Uh, my feet are tiny, so boys' shoes actually fit super, super well. Anything like boxers or briefs, that kind of thing has actually been huge, um, comfort-wise and identity-wise. I think one of the biggest things has been like just permission to let go, because I've had clothes, I have, I even had clothes from like middle school, a few things that I kept for nostalgia and like just holding on, like letting go of that stuff felt like a big Step and so I ended up rephrasing things in my head to be like, Well, think about like a little trans girl out there who doesn't have this, and she would wear this, and you can't even fit into it anymore, and it makes you feel horrible when you wear it. So, like, give it to her, Mm -hmm. and that helped a lot. And also, I've had a really, really hard time differentiating between I really like that pattern or that top or that color versus i want to wear that top or that color or that pattern and i don't know if that's just the way my brain is but i go ooh shiny pretty but then and for years as uh you know in my 20s i would buy a thing love it on the rack think oh yeah i kind of like this on me and then i get it home and within like a week or two i'd realize like no This, I don't feel good in this. I like it and I look good in it, but I don't feel good in it. A lot of what I've been doing during COVID when I can't go out and get more stuff is just weeding through old stuff and just the process of just letting go and saying, it's okay, this isn't for you, and that's okay.
0: That reminds me of like stuff that I have from my dad. Like my dad died ten years ago and I've got ties and stuff from him that they're really super seventies. <laughs> I'm not I'm <laughs> not gonna wear them. Like they're, they're really big, thick and gold and brown and anyway, I've been looking at ways that I can kind of repurpose them. Like to make there's different things you can do with ties. You can turn them into a rug or a cushion or something. So mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of looking at ways to hang on to things that or get rid of them but if they're not, you know if they if they're not really useful to somebody else like i can't imagine somebody wanting to wear 70s ties for a job interview right now so um <laughs> but you know like keeping them in a different format yeah still could be comforting too
2: yeah definitely there was a pair of embroidered jeans that i had that i really like to stim with and like run my hands over the beading and everything and i actually cut that pair of pants up and I'm hoping to make like a pillow yeah. or something that I or like a bag that I can still stem with it. Um, that's helped too, to like shift my mind from, I absolutely can't own this anymore to what can I do with this and still have it. Yeah. And also just taking pictures of things before I give them away has helped to like, like see, okay, I really like this. What do I like about it? and then try to find one that either fits or is more masculine. Like, do I like the color? Do I want that orange color in maybe, like, a sweater? Do I want that cut, but like, in my size? Like, that's helped me to be able to say, like, okay, my visual memory is just non-existent. And so I think that's part of why giving stuff away is scary because I don't remember that I had it. And then, yeah. So taking pictures and then circling
1: back has been helpful too. This is Intersections on the Spectrum podcast. So we talk not just about the intersections of autistic and non-binary identities, but are there any other important identities that really for you is kind of important to talk about when... Thinking, thinking about your life and how they and make you happier?
2: I identify as queer, um, so that's definitely a big component. Um, my chronic illness and disability work, um, being an artist and a writer, um, a nerd, I like sci-fi and fantasy and video games and board games, reading. Um, Japan has been a big in my life since I was about 12 and so I, I speak Japanese fluently and I lived there for I guess it's like a total of five years over over the years so that's definitely a big part of my identity as well I would say those are like the main the main components um outside of
0: autistic non and you know ADHD neurodiversity stuff What types of other stories do you think would be important for us to highlight as we move forward with the Intersections on the Spectrum podcast?
2: Minorities and marginalized communities, for sure. Trans and gender expansive, queer, uh, intersex, asexual, uh, black and brown folks, people of color, indigenous people. I would love to see more inclusion of... People who use alternative forms of communication, screen readers, AAC. If there's any, you know, hard of hearing or deaf folks that are able to access a podcast format. Anybody with DID, um, you know, any of those. I'm kind of there. You go. See, so I, I mean, any of those intersections and and. Identities, and I, I just there's too many of the same voices that are out there, and we need more variety of people who have their voices listened to you and lifted up.
0: Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. That's why we do this. But yeah, that's that part of it. When Doug approached me and said, "Hey, do you want to do this intersectional podcast?" I was like, "Well, it has to have a transcript because <laughs> I don't listen to podcasts." I don't <laughs> so you know. But I was trying to. I'm like, well, how do I do this? Because I don't listen to podcasts, so how am I supposed to run a podcast? <laughs> but um, but yeah, like as long as it's a transcript, I'm cool. And i now that I started doing this, I I kind of started pushing back against other people when they, especially if they share their podcast with me directly, and then they're like, hey, I want your feedback, and I'm like, well, if there's no transcript, I'm not even going to give you the time of day. So come yeah. back, you've got something, and then we'll talk. Definitely, yeah. I totally
2: agree. Anything accessibility related, like we just, like people fight me tooth and nail on image descriptions. And so I interviewed my friends about why it's so important to have image descriptions and alt text and um, accessibility for screen readers and there's still people who are like, eh, it's too hard. And like it's not it's not though. No,
0: it's not. And no. if
2: it if you find it difficult, have someone help you. Like it there's just so much more that we can do that are pretty basic things that can make things accessible to people.
0: No for real. And it, it does take effort. I mean even for me sometimes mm-hmm. I I'll, I'll be lazy, I'm on Instagram and I'm like, I don't feel like writing one today and I'm like, no, I have to I have Mm. to like, that's just not right. Like, you know, for me just to be like, Oh, I don't feel like it. So I'm not going to do it. No, no, that's not cool.
2: Mm. Yeah. And there, there are legitimate, you know, executive functioning and um, even physical things where you can't type as much or whatever. But I try my best to, you know, nine times out of 10 even is better than zero. Right. Just, yeah, yeah, totally agree.
1: Alex, before letting you go, um, I facilitate a group called Spectrum Saturdays. It's an online group and connected with you in in, in that group. So I just, you know, f- for people listening, it's a it's a group for um, the intersections of autistic and um, LGBT identities. Most of the people have are trans or non-binary. So I, I'm just wondering, from you, other than me being so-so of a facilitator. Um, <laughs> how, is, how has the group been um, like impactful to you when thinking about these intersection of identities?
2: Well, first of all, you're a great facilitator. <laughs> you're not just so-so. I think it's been a huge part of my acceptance, both as an autistic person and non-binary, trans, and chronically ill, because there's so many of us you know, who intersect all three of those junctures and being in a group where a lot of the people think like me or have the same needs as me or just know the, know the rules of engagement, I guess, as an autistic is really nice. Like I had a, a day where I was having a hard time verbalizing and so I just used the screen reader on my phone at the mic and No one batted an eye at that. They are like, okay, oh, you still type me? No worries. You know, like, you you don't have to explain yourself. You can just state your needs, and people will roll with it. So I think it's been one of the most helpful things in my um, acceptance journey to have a group like that where... And then it's easy to make friends with people, too. And then you don't have to explain stuff to that friend because they just get it. That's not really... Something I've had often in my life. So having a whole group like that, especially meeting monthly, is great. And it's set, and I know when it's going to be, and it's predictable. It's been
1: incredible. Well, it's definitely been great having you as part of the group, and um, you know, sharing your your wisdom. Um, and it, it was it was great, um, you know, having you uh, here today and um, talking with you, and um, getting a chance for Kelly to get to know you a little bit as well.
2: It was great. Thank you for having me, and this podcast sounds great. I can't wait to follow along and see who you talk to.
1: Thank you to everyone so much for listening. If you would like to share your important story on the Intersections on the Spectrum podcast, please email us at spectrums at gmail.com. Uh, that email can be found in the podcast description for the episode. We would love to hear from you. Join us on the next episode of Intersections on the Spectrum in two weeks for another important conversation. Talk to you then.